verses 46 through to 55. This is Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Ken. Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, because the baptisms are on in the following service, that's great. Uh, if you've been invited along because it's our Christmas services or leading up to Christmas, it's great to have you all here. Now, for those of you who love music, as you've walked in this morning, you've noticed that music is a little bit of a focus. Um, Christmas is possibly one of the highlights of the year. Christmas songs are playing in the stores, in our friends' houses, uh, on the radio. Uh, some of these songs we're happy to hear and they bring a smile to our face. Others we think, oh no, now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head for the next week. And so perhaps in response, you're the kind of person who likes to handpick what Christmas songs you get to hear. In the past, that meant grumbling to uh, shopping centre management or simply changing the radio station. But these days, with the help of technology, we can create our own Christmas playlists, songs that we want to hear over and over over the coming weeks. But before we can choose our favourites, we have to listen and then decide which songs we'd like to hear. And so over the next three weeks... We're going to look at four songs from one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life in the Gospel of Luke. Consider Luke's songs as recommendations to add to the songs that you're going to listen to this Christmas. Hopefully songs that will get stuck in our heads and we'll find ourselves humming along to this Christmas. So as we begin, I invite you to pray with me. Lord God, we do thank you for the gift of music. We thank you that certain people you've uh, gifted with the ability to put into words truths that we long to be able to, to say in a beautiful way. You've given them the ability to, to add music. So these are not just words, they're catchy tunes that, that do get stuck in our heads and they, they express the joy that's in our hearts of the things that you've done for us, truths about you, truths about ourselves. And so as we spend some time this morning uh, thinking about Mary's song, may you help us to not just understand the song, but may its truth sink down deep into our hearts so that, that we are uh, overwhelmed with joy as Mary was. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favourite things. Now, when they're spoken rather than sung, these words from the sound of music fall somewhat flat. Yet because it is such a well-known song, even if someone merely speaks the lyrics, we can hear the tune in our heads and we know that these words have so much more life to them. They're made to sing. Whether it be the sound of music or Wizard of Oz, Les Mis or Phantom of the Opera, it is perhaps the defining feature of musicals that at important points in the story, the characters break out into song. So significant is what is taking place that only a song can say it. And in a similar way, at various points throughout the story of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, various characters break into song. Now, whether Mary's words that were just read to us were actually originally sung by her or not, the Bible doesn't actually tell us. But there's a definite change in the way that the words are put together, a, a poetic rhythm that suggests that these words are being given an extra special emphasis by their writer, Luke. And so right at the beginning of this eyewitness account of Jesus' life, something so significant is happening that only a song can say it. A song now commonly known as either Mary's song or the Magnificat. The title Magnificat comes from the Latin translation of the word in verse 46, translated in our English versions as glorifies, magnifies or exalts. But before we can think about Mary's response, we first have to think about what is it a response to? And fortunately, we had the kids' story, which has told us some of the story. In the verses just before the, those that were read, that same angel, Gabriel, appeared to Mary, telling her that she would give birth to a son. No ordinary son. This son would be born to Mary while she was still a virgin. Her son was going to be king, being given the throne of famous King David to, to reign over forever. And in response to this revelation, Mary had raced off to the home of her relative Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. When Mary arrives there, Elizabeth breaks out into song herself, amazed that the mother of her Lord should come to visit. Now, if we had the time to slow down and look at all of the details, we could see that every single aspect is extraordinary, an angelic announcement, a son born to a virgin, a long-awaited king, son of David, son of God, who will have an eternal kingdom. Elizabeth calls this unborn baby Lord, a title someone from a priestly family would not use lightly. And if this is all new to you, then the danger is that you might dismiss it as a story that's too good to be true. On the other hand, if you're familiar with Luke's account of history, the danger is to read these events and no longer be amazed by them. But Mary shows us the right response by glorifying the Lord. Mary's song bubbles over from the joy within her. She can't hold her thankfulness to God inside her any longer. 
did she hurry off to Elizabeth's house because she needed someone that she could share her joy with. So great were the things that she'd been told. She needed that close friend to talk to that she knew would listen, understand and be as excited as she was. Her thanks, firstly in verse 48, is because God has been mindful of her. Mindfulness these days is a a term to refer to a particular type of meditation. But Mary's meaning is that God's attention has been focused right in on her. Mary is stunned that God would even take notice of her. A girl from a, a place considered unimportant. A girl that few, if any, would have thought of as special. Yet the Lord, God her Saviour, has been mindful of her humble state. The one so great that is in control of the whole universe takes the time to show concern for someone who most people would write off as unimportant. From unnoticed by any to the centre of ongoing attention of all, which at the time may have appeared to be a bit of an over-the-top reaction to a girl becoming pregnant. But more than 2,000 years later, what Mary sang as a prophecy is fulfilled even as we speak about her this morning. The untold multitude of women whom God could have chosen remain unknown to us, lost in history. But the one that he did bless and the song that she sang in response remains our focus. It's important to note that we consider Mary blessed or favoured by God, not primarily because of who she was in herself, but because of something that God did. She's our focus because of what the Mighty One has done for her. Mighty One, verse 49, is one of the many titles of God from the Old Testament. It speaks of his unrivaled ability, his capacity to do what others cannot In contrast with Mary, who acknowledges her own inability, God is the one who can do all things. And yet when she sang this song, nothing had changed for Mary. Nothing obviously had changed. And yet so confident is Mary of what God has said to her through Gabriel that its fulfilment is unquestioned. That's what biblical faith is, trusting what the Mighty One says. Mary's song is profoundly personal, a heartfelt response for what God has done in her life. And I think this is the first of many reasons that it's right for Mary's song to go on our playlist. Mary sets an example for us. Do we overflow with joy for the things that God has done for us? Do we recognise and give praise to God for what he has done for us as individuals? Christmas is well known as a time of joy. That was the first song we sang, joy to the world. But when we think of what God has done for us, do we respond with enthusiastic praise or are we more ho-hum kind of people? Do we have faith like Mary's to recognise the things that we've been given even before we have them? that because God has said that we will have them, that it's right to count our chickens even before they hatch. This is not blind faith, recklessly hoping that it might come true. 
aware of the nature of God, aware of how he has acted in the past, we have confidence that whatever he speaks is true. And so as we hum along to Mary's song this Christmas, may it inspire faith like hers, whether that is putting our faith in Jesus for the very first time or continuing to trust him after decades of him proving himself faithful. But there's more even in just these first lines of her song. Like Mary, are we shocked that the mighty one in control of all things would take the time to think about us? There are two opposite mistakes that we can fall into here. One is to think too lowly of ourselves. We may think that the the world has gotten it right when it considers us unimportant. There's a danger to believe that because we don't have the fame and fortune that the world craves, that we're insignificant. But God is concerned for even the lowliest, and he cares for us regardless of what others think. If you haven't realised this before, then let Mary's song tell you that you are so important to God that he came to earth at Christmas for you. Jesus saw that you were unable to save yourself. And so he left heaven because you are so precious to him. Let it ring in your ears. You are precious to him. Now, the opposite mistake is to presume, well, yeah, it's only natural that I should be the centre of God's attention. Mary's response of surprise at God's concern is a lesson, especially to a society in which self-centredness is the norm. Mary models what it looks like to contemplate both her complete unworthiness and her being the centre of God's concern. She sings, recognising that while it's undeserved, it is true. We're not the centre of the universe, and yet God treats us as if we are. Are we grateful for God's mercy, or have we assumed that it's what we deserve? The danger of being children that are given everything is that they come to presume the right to everything. What starts out as privilege becomes our expectation. Let's sing Mary's song at Christmas to remind us that while we are undeserving, God has turned his attention on us, has turned our situations around. He has done great things for us, showing mercy to those who didn't deserve it. Now, if there's any concern that we're applying to ourselves something that was only true for Mary, in verses 50 to 54, Mary makes explicit that God's mindfulness is not limited to her alone. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. If we rightly fear God, respect him, then his mercy is extended to us too. From one perspective, this could simply be Mary's reflection on her nation's history. God's arm, verse 51, is a poetic way frequently used in the Old Testament to refer to God acting personally, powerfully, decisively to save Israel from her enemies. Take, for example, near the beginning of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 34 says, Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation? 
by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. Merry things of God, using the exact same words that Moses used to describe the exodus from Egypt. Verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds. Mary recognises God at work. Those who are great, whether in their own minds, verse 51, or high on thrones, verse 52, have been brought down. He's lifted up the humble. The hungry are now left full. Sorry, the hungry are now full. The rich left empty with nothing, verse 53. All of these things are a reflection on Israel's past, what God has done for them throughout history. He's working in history to bring Israel out of Egypt. He's working to establish them in the promised land, to bring them back from their punishment in exile. Mary recognises that Israel didn't leave Egypt under their own strength. They didn't conquer the promised land because they had the better army. They didn't return from the punishment of exile because they somehow overpowered their conquerors. God was the one who had brought about each of these victories. And so verses 51 to 54 reflect on Israel's past, their glorious past, when God had fought their battles for them. But at this point in the song, Mary does something quite extraordinary for an unschooled girl from Galilee. As she reflects on Israel's past, she brings the past into the present. God is not just the God of history. What he did way back then, he is doing right now. What he did in the past when his people feared him, he's only too happy to repeat. Whenever people treat God with the respect he deserves, God extends his mercy to them. Verse 50. Using the same title that she used to describe herself, servant, she now uses to refer to the whole of the nation of Israel. The term servant Israel is used in just a few places in the Old Testament. Psalm 136 in the servant songs of Isaiah in the book of Jeremiah. It's a title that expands upon this theme of humility. Many would assume that there's no position more humbling than being a servant. And yet all of the greatest people in Israel's history understood that they lived to serve God not God lived to serve them. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David are all called the servant of the Lord. And far from being a term of dishonour, to be God's servant is a position of privilege. By calling Israel the servant of the Lord, Mary identifies the right understanding that God's people must have. And the lesson to be learnt focuses on our response to God, expressed in our treatment of others. God is the God of reversals. He acts to turn situations around, which in Mary's situation is incredibly good news. But for us, it could be either an encouragement or a warning. If God reverses situations, if he turns things on their heads, then this should make us stop and think, how am I acting? Clearly in Mary's song, if we want to be on the receiving end 
of God's blessings. We have to be humble, not proud, to not even hide pride deep down within us. Now, innermost thoughts, verse 51 says. Otherwise, God will be against us. We might appear to be humble to others by our carefully thought through words and actions, but God can view our motivations. Are we truly humble? All that we have has come to us by God's hand. Do we acknowledge that? Or are we using the world's methods to get what we want, putting ourselves at the centre, considering ourselves most important? Have we gotten to where we are by mistreating others in, in some way? If we're brave enough to add Mary's song to our playlist this Christmas, it will challenge us to live the opposite of what comes naturally to us, to put others first, to not demand the best position or the biggest piece of Christmas cake. Even when something good happens to us, we'll see its wider impact on others. So aware are we of God's wider concern. Mary's song demands us to have a different heart, a heart for others, a servant heart. We've seen that Mary's song of praise focuses on God's surprising acts for individuals and our need to be humble. It finishes with a statement that God is fulfilling a promise that he made long ago in Israel's history. Remembering to be merciful in the end of verse 54, is not because God is getting forgetful in his old age or because he's been acting in some other way and he's got to get back to being merciful. No, it's, it's the Bible's way of saying that he's keeping the promises that he made long ago. Promises made to Abraham around 2,000 years before Mary lived, just as Mary lived about 2,000 years before us. There's a fascinating parallel between Mary's situation and Abraham's. Abraham and his wife couldn't have kids. And yet way back in Genesis, chapter 12, verses 2 to 3, God had said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God had promised that he would do for Abraham's descendants what they could not achieve for themselves. In order for Abraham and Sarah to become a nation, to be blessed and be a blessing, they needed a child. And God gave them the miracle child they needed. Likewise, in Mary's case, Another miracle child, even more spectacular than Abraham and Sarah's, was needed. Mary recognises that in the coming of Jesus, God is doing what he said he would do. 2,000 years was a long time to wait, but boy, was it going to be worth it. Mary's song already gives us hints at just how special this baby is going to be. He's going to bring about such a great reversal that only a song can say it. To find out how a baby fulfills millennia-old promises, you'll need to come back to hear the remaining three songs. But one last thought before we finish. Some of the things that Mary sings 
are considered so amazing that some doubt whether she could have even sung them. For this seems like more than a song sung spontaneously when greeted by your relative. Mary summarises 2,000 years of history and speaks of long into the future. Like a poem by a famous author, a girl from Galilee condenses world history into just a few bars. She comes up with a top-of-the-charts blockbuster off the top of her head. And while it is amazing, it's not unusual for the Bible. While it is one girl's words of praise to God, at the same time, it's God's word to all people. As she sings, it is her words. And yet at the same time, she is the mouthpiece of God, telling us what we need to know about the son that was to be born to her. She speaks truths that were beyond even her ability to fully understand, truths revealed by God himself. Now, I'm unaware of any catchy tune that's been written for Mary's song. And so, unlike our opening song from The Sound of Music, I doubt that any of us are going to go home literally humming Mary's song. And yet I encourage all of us to add it to our playlist by reading and rereading it, thinking about whether we have that bubbling over joy like Mary's that, that can't be kept inside of us, asking ourselves, am I humble? Have I got my place and God's place right in the big scheme of things? We've been surrounded by music today in the, the songs we've already sung, in the amazing decorations and in Mary's song. But hopefully we haven't just been surrounded. Hopefully Mary's song has gripped us deep inside so that when we hear its lyrics, it makes us want to sing because we know that it's true. They may not have made it onto Julie Andrews' list of favourite things in The Sound of Music, but hopefully they are on yours. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for Mary's song. We thank you that uh, in this woman that you chose uh, to give birth to the Saviour Jesus, we had somebody who was humble, somebody who recognised uh, the amazing things that you were doing in her life. Thank you that she understood world history, that you had been at work turning things around. And in the birth of Jesus is the fulfilment of promises that had been made thousands of years earlier. Lord, I pray that each one of us uh, would go away uh, mindful of what this song is telling us, that it wouldn't just be lyrics to a song written long ago, but it would be words to a song that truly brings joy to our heart. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.